Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi everybody, and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and are feeling as grateful as I am right now to continue to do these wonderful podcasts each and every Monday with fabulous people. And joining me today is Sam Adels and Zoe Mark Walter. They are co-directors from Land to Learn, which is a small nonprofit garden-based education program working in partnership with four public school districts in the Hudson Valley region of New York State. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, Marcia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Zoe, the same to you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Marcia. It's a pleasure to be here. Really. I like, I like to start my podcast out each and every week by getting to know my guests a little bit so that we have a sense of who you are as we, as we go through this show together talking about this incredible nonprofit that you both work at. So I thought we could start with you, Sam. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. I have a four-year-old daughter, and I love oh. to spend most of my free time outside. Uh, so usually that's riding bikes with her or riding bikes on my own, uh, hiking, exploring. Uh, we live right along the Hudson River, so I spend a lot of time just throwing rocks into the river with a four-year-old, <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of fun. That's great. That You know, I, I pictured that. You drew a picture in my head. And I think that's really that's that's fun. Skipping stones, I love that. That's 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 really great. And what about you, Zoe? Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I also love the outside. And uh, one thing that Sam and I have in common is riding our bicycles. Um, particularly over the past couple of years, every now and again, we'd see each other on uh, on a path in town. We live in the same town, uh, so we'd see each other on a path and give a little wave, and then head over to the office. Um, and also right now I'm uh, doing a grad program in um, social justice in education. So that's, that's taking a lot of my time and attention right now as I, as I work to sort of weave that into the work we're doing with Land to Learn. Wow, where are you doing your grad program? It's at a State University of New York at SUNY New Paltz. Okay, that's well, the congratulations. So you, Thanks. as my millennial friend once told me many, many years ago, I don't use the word busy. I use the word productive. So it sounds to me like you have a very productive life, my friend. So congratulations on all you're <laughs> intending to accomplish. So while you guys love to be outside on your bicycles, I can't even tell you which decade I rode a bike, but I also love being outdoors, and so where you would, what you would see me doing when you guys are, are cruising past each other on your bikes is I would have a camera out, 
not taking pictures of you, but taking pictures of the river, of maybe the water birds, or whatever else is out there, because I get a lot of uh, pleasure out of photography. That That's sort of my go-to when I'm not running my mouth all the time, although when I'm photo- when I'm doing photography, I'm still running my mouth. But I I I, I do like you both and enjoy enjoy the outdoors as well. So this is going to be a really great show because Land to Learn, which is your organization, we are going to learn about Land to Learn. And I thought we could just start with you, Zoe. Why don't you tell us about this organization and what you're all about? Well, um, what we're all about. Um, so we are, as you said, we are a um, garden-based education program. We work with public schools in four communities in the Hudson Valley. Um, and that's basically, it's about 65 miles north of New York City. Um, we have a mission, um, which is growing a movement for food justice and community wellness through garden-based education. Um we went through a name change a couple of years ago, which was really great, and uh, this revised mission came out of that. Um, mm-hmm. And we also just completed uh, a pretty extensive um, list of values um, to sort of help remind us what, who we are, what we're doing, and actually um, who, is, who is guiding us. Because I think, you know, one of the challenges of nonprofit work is that sometimes Organizations can get a little upside down and forget that it's the community who leads. Um, so an example of, of our values is uh, the first one under transforming education is, is the first on our list of values. And the first bullet on that list is we approach our work with an awareness of current and historic institutional oppression perpetuated by and ingrained in the educational system. Um, so, so really what we do is, is work with youth um, in this moment, primarily in uh, K-2 in public schools, um, to sort of support them in experiential learning, which is which is um, sort of supports them in developing a little bit more agency um, and led by them. And as we're doing that, we're also exploring uh, some intergenerational learning in collaboration with partnering organizations, working with teen programs um, and college programs, and uh, we're also doing some work with uh, residential programming as well. Did you say residential programming? Yes. Yes. Okay, That's a newer, newer component of our work. Okay, terrific. Well, I would just say, though, to those of you that are listening, and um, as you all know, that if, you, if you've been listening to my my podcast for the last over seven years. Um, I will absolutely be putting the um, website, but if you're listening and you're kind of curious while we're talking, you can simply go to landtolearn.org, and on this on this page you will see everything about them, their mission, their values, their programs. It's so it's so neat, and I know that. You know, I understand the nonprofit world as well. I worked for the YMCA for many, many years, and raising money for nonprofits is vitally important. That's what keeps them thriving. I mean, you, you have to raise money somehow. 
and um, and I know it, this is sort of that, you know, like today is Cyber Monday shopping. Well, Tuesday is usually what Tuesday is, Tuesday giving. And so perhaps some of you that are listening may, may feel very motivated um, at the end of this show to um, – to, to donate, and I also notice I will just mention this that on your website you do have a newsletter where people can sign up and receive your newsletter. So that's another way, you know, for you to to stay connected to this organization. You don't have to live in New York. I don't live in New York, but that doesn't mean you can't be interested and supportive of what it is that they're doing. In fact, you may be listening in Montana. Or in Oregon, thinking, "Wow, what a great idea! You've you've given me an idea. I think that this would be something that we could get behind in in our public school system." I know that right here, just a few blocks from my house, you guys, we have a community garden. It's actually located on a middle school campus, and mm-hmm. it's a nonprofit, and people rent. Um, space because if you're living in a condominium or apartment or you just don't have the kind of gardening area on your own property but you want to grow corn or beets or sugar snap peas, that's a way you can do that. But you guys are starting at the young age, and I think that that's, that's what makes what you do so fascinating to me. And, Sam, I, I'm I'm just curious – um, how long have you been working with, with Land to Learn? When did you start working with them? So I've been with Land to Learn since 2015, and that's when I settled in the Hudson Valley. Um, and uh, Land to Learn was then known as Hudson Valley Seed. Um, and we started off very small. We were a garden education nonprofit that started at one school that blossomed uh, and began to work in every school. Uh, so I've sort of seen the, the organization grow, and it's been beautiful to be a part of that growth. Um, I simply love working with the kids. Um, for me, I first got involved with the organization because I was moving to the area, and I had identified mm-hmm. the Hudson Valley as this beautiful agricultural region where there's so much, like, organic movement. Farms, there's lots of young people getting into farming. And um, my partner and I had um, – basically taken an apprenticeship and we're working on a small organic farm in Maine and it was beautiful and we decided we wanted to do more growing you know I got a crash course in organic agriculture living on the coast in Maine with my own private beach it was lovely (laughs) Mm, Um, I love the coast of Maine (sighs) yeah it's gorgeous it's just a magical place Um, Mm -hmm. but I had also fallen in love with the Hudson Valley and really sort of I found a position that um, married my previous experience in hands-on experiential education, which I had been doing in New York City for a spell, um, with this sort of hands-on gardening component. So for me, it really was a dream job, and I love working with the kids. I love introducing them to gardening, and uh, I've been enjoying it ever since. You know, it's interesting as I'm looking at your website, and I'm seeing things like um, you're working with the STEM Academy, and I see that you um, are community partners with the Boys and Girls Club. That alone speaks to me because I've also had people from those organizations and the Boys and Girls Club. What a, what a fabulous 
um, organization to draw children in that may never have gotten that kind of opportunity. So I think that what you guys are doing is, is just tremendous. Um, just just out of curiosity, Zoe, we, we heard about Sam's sort of connection. How long have you been uh, working with Land to Learn? Well, I've been working with Land to Learn since 2017, um, just at the at the cusp of some some pretty big transitions for the organization. Um, mm-hmm. I was also in some pretty big transitions myself. I had not long before uh, left uh, left a, a permanent track job um, about 55 miles uh, south of where I am now, and um, I wanted to get a little bit more local and connected to community in the work that I did. So. Right before working with Land to Learn, I worked with a, a farmer's market. Um, so I managed a oh. farmer's market for about a year and a half. And then I sort of always, uh, the work that I've done has always bridged sort of communication and, and project management and um, education and art management and, and food. So I really wanted to, to focus more on the food component and education component um, and this opportunity came up for me to do that with with Land to Learn. Oh, I think that's terrific, and and maybe and please, both of you, you can always chime in and and answer some of the same questions that I'm asking. This is a conversation. I really never think of what I do as an interview. This is not supposed to be anything stuffy and and you know, oh, well, now it's Nick's and now it's this. We, this is what storytelling is all about, and that's why I do what I do, because I think what people cool. do are interesting and inclusive, and maybe somebody's listening that's, that's going to be motivated with their children or their grandchildren to think, gosh, you know, we've got a little area out here, wherever it is we live. Maybe we should consider this. I would like maybe to spend some time with you, Zoe, talking about some of the actual programs that you that you run that that we can can learn about in your organization. Were you able to hear my question? You know, I just got a text from uh, Zoe. I think she might have dropped the call somehow. All right, so this is what happens, and this is live radio, and what I do is I go back over here. She did, her call did drop, and so as soon as she's called back in, I will certainly open up her microphone, and hopefully she'll just call right back in. This isn't the first time this has ever happened to me, so we will. I will keep my eye on that, and, and I will just let you continue, Sam. I know you know a lot about this organization, so... Why don't you tell us, um, you know, about these programs that that you do run? Uh, sure thing. Yeah, and I, as you know, Marcia, I did tell Zoe just via text message call back. So hopefully she'll perfect. Me. Very good. <laughs> but, and there um, she I did. Certainly... And there she did. Hang on. Oh, okay. And welcome back, Zoe. Welcome to my world Hi, of technology. Uh, we don't know I why was you dropped. I looking at my phone and it dropped right out. I know this is welcome to my world sometimes. So I'll tell you what, this is where we were. And since I know this is a question, Zoe, that you would wanted to answer, why don't we go back to you? And why don't you tell us about some of the programs that you guys are running there at Time to Learn? Well, um, so 
So there's the core program, which we've talked most about, which is our K-2 programming in, in the four um, school districts. And, and uh, that's, those, that's programming where our educators work in the schools with, in collaboration with their teachers um, and often PTOs um, and also uh, school administrators to deliver program um, in garden and, and basically teach in garden as part of the school day. Um, so that's our, that's our K2 programming we call Sprout Ed. Another program we're working on um, is called Radical Roots, and that is a program we're working with our core in uh, Newburgh. We also do some work with um, Newburgh Urban Farm and Food Initiatives. Um, and so we work with organizations in Newburgh that are working directly with high school students, um, teaching gardening, and then our work with high school students is we have this, this sort of internship program where, where a, we focus with them on education and gardening and sort of work with them in, in sort of building this intergenerational uh, relationship that, that we mentioned earlier. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a younger program and a growing program and a really inspiring program um, because we're always learning from the, from the individuals who we work with, um, mm-hmm. but there's something there's something like to to add this layer of generation sort of really sort of it helps it helps revitalize us a little bit more it brings ideas to us more um, and we can learn too you know we we learn from all of all of our participants and then this other program I mentioned earlier is called um, Ground Truth and that's in that's a residential program we're working. Um, Another new program we're working with with youth who um, who live in uh, in agencies through um, primarily the foster care system. Um, so it. we're creating we're creating gardens in homes and um, <clears throat> and working with youth in sort of building gardens and, and focusing a lot on the social emotional aspect um, and sort of like self-agency again and, and self-care, uh, particularly as, as youth are, are facing aging out of their programs. That's, that's terrific. So you've got your Sprout Ed, which is your little kids, right? Then you've got your that's Radical it. Roots, which is your teen apprentice program. Then you've mm-hmm. got your Ground Truth residential teen program that you were just speaking about, which are your maybe your kids that might be in a foster care situation. And then you mm-hmm. also have something that you offer college kids for internships and social media and all of that. Those those programs yeah. are all. Oh, I just think that there's something for everybody. It's 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 like a it's like a garden right it's something yeah, yeah, for everybody yeah, right i mean yeah. maybe you don't like beets but you like carrots so i mean exactly. how you know seriously i i just love that and sam so what's your model what wh- wh- how how did this what did you model this after how did this start uh sure yeah I can go into a little bit more detail um we, we started really grassroots, really at the top. You know, it was a partnership between founder, 
um, a parent of a student and a teacher at Sargent Elementary School in Beacon, New York. And that's where kind of the stream was born that school gardens can really be outdoor classrooms that don't just grow food. You know, they don't just teach science. They can actually teach anything. Gardens are really, really multidisciplinary spaces that, you know, connect to any curriculum. If you give me any topic in any curriculum, you know, I can teach it using a garden. And it's really hands-on. It's really experiential, like Zoe said. Uh, the other part of our model is that, you know, a lot of times you'll have an after-school program or it's a field trip, you know, something you have to opt into, something you have to pay for. Our model is completely different. We're part of the normal public school day, you know, so every student gets it that goes to school. And we see them quite regularly. Um, district by district, that varies, but it's usually a weekly basis or a biweekly basis. Um, so we really get to know the students, even though we're not their primary teachers. We build relationship, we build community with them. And the name Land to Learn kind of speaks to how their school garden is all about their agency. You know, they're planting the seeds, they're tilling the soil, they're eating the food, they're cooking with the food. Uh, so I sort of see myself as an educator, you know, as less the teacher imparting knowledge and, you know, really more as a mentor or a guide that's kind of co-creating these experiences along with them. So sure. we have kindergartners, we have first, we have second graders. And as they kind of come up through our, um, our program, each uh, grade has a different theme to the curriculum that builds off itself. So from kindergarten, first and second grade, they're learning what a garden is, you know. In first grade, we're learning a little bit more about the scientific relationships of who lives in a garden. You know, oh, there's a praying mantis. Oh, they're a carnivore, but they're a good carnivore because they eat the bad bugs that, you know, eat our garden plants. And then by second grade, we're actually harvesting the food, we're cooking with the kids, and we're eating a lot. So the kids have a great time no matter what age they are. <laughs> well, you know, you just made me think of something. So so I, I heard you say that um, – you know, you have sort of, you know, you've got your kindergartners and everybody does something a little bit different. And I, I, I heard you say, though, by the time you got into the second grade, they're harvesting. So are, is that kindergartner ever going, well, darn, how come they get to pull out the carrots from the dirt? How come we don't get to do that? Do you ever combine those grade levels where those kindergarten and first graders have some of that opportunity to harvest as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. just to clarify, in second grade, what they're doing is they're harvesting and turning it into a recipe, right? They'll harvest kale and turn it into kale salad. They'll harvest tomatoes and peppers and parsley all at once and turn it into a salad that we'll eat together. Uh, in kindergarten, first and second grade, all throughout, we are definitely eating from the garden. Absolutely. Kindergartners oh, get to eat all the time. Yep. Oh, good. That's, that's yep. great. And it is interesting what you say about what lands in our garden i have i was growing fennel in my backyard and i'm thinking what what's on the fennel what's that little dark spot uh-huh well that dark spot got a little bit bigger and then it got a little bit longer and then it started to move and then it started to look like a caterpillar and then that caterpillar uh -huh. was like not your normal brown fuzzy caterpillar. Oh, no, 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 no. This was a green <laughs> and black caterpillar because what this was was a um, yellow-tailed swan butterfly getting ready to eventually go from a chrysalis 
to this magnificent butterfly. But the caterpillar was almost cooler than the butterfly because I've seen swallowtails. I've never seen a caterpillar. So you must see those. I mean, you can hear my excitement. I can only imagine when these kids are going, wait, look how big it's getting. So have you experienced anything like that where you're seeing chrysalis that land on some of your plants in your garden? Yes, yeah. So a lot of the second graders, they have a program uh, where they will actually raise caterpillars uh, oh. into chrysalises in their, in their classroom, and then it's really mm-hmm. fun. In the spring, we release them into the garden. So oh, they get to see that entire life cycle and know that they're helping the garden ecosystem. You bet, and it's it's great. And you know, I, I'm I'm I, I'm digressing again. Nobody thinks that spiders are really cool; like they're creepy. However, saying that, I recognize I really don't like mosquitoes. I mean, if I I mean, you can have five flies in my house, but don't let a mosquito in because they eat Absolutely. me. So. Whenever I see a spider in my house, a daddy long legs in particular, I don't know if they come up to the drain, I don't know how the heck they get in my house, I absolutely painstakingly get a Kleenex and very mindful how it's located on those skinny little legs, and I take it outside. Now, I don't know, maybe those daddy long legs really like it inside, in which case I'm so sorry I let you outside, but I think that, as you can hear, Regardless of our age, we can all get something by learning from the land, which is just your model there, which I just think is so tremendous. And I just just to kind of follow up with that, Sam. So, does your program look um, at the perspective from the students participant? Is that how you sort of focus your teaching? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a kindergartner, you know, you may not have a garden at home. Um, you know, we work in some very urban districts where people live in apartments, you know, like you had mentioned, condominiums. Not has, not everyone has access to a backyard. Um, but right. this idea is that the school has a garden, and it belongs to the students. And I always impress that upon the students. This is not my garden. It's not your teachers. It's not your principals. This is your garden. Uh, it's a place for you to learn and have fun and explore and grow. So as a student comes up through kindergarten and first and second grade, they're really sort of taking ownership, you know, taking stewardship of this piece of land. Um, and that's what I hope to instill in the students, that, you know, from their perspective, they're learning a lot, they're having a great time, uh, and they're also just gaining really valuable life skills, uh, not to mention all the curricular connections that we're making. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing. I'm a word person, and... It's very likely um, that the word stewardship is probably not necessarily something they would hear at home, that word. And so that's part of the education system. Would, Would you agree that that is just part of understanding what it is you're doing, vocabulary? Is 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 part of this? Yeah. I, I, I'm presuming, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all kinds of vocabulary, um, scientific vocabulary. Um, you know, we do we do journal entries, we do ELA. You know, so they're getting a very uh, what is that curriculum. I don't know what that is. ELA is Eng- English and language arts. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You said ELA. Okay, so it's English and language arts. Is that what it's called? Yeah, just to use a school acronym. Yeah, it's reading and writing. 
Okay, and arithmetic. Okie dokie. I <laughs> see. So I I learn something every time. And vocabulary and glossary in my world is very important because you know your glossary of terms, but we don't know that somebody that's listening may or may not be familiar with those glossary terms. And so it's always very, um, I think, important for people to understand those glossary terms. And and I know that, um, Zoe, I know we've heard a lot about what Sam does in relationship to Land to Learn. What are some of your responsibilities? How How are you interconnected to this organization? Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> so so basically the 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 nuts and bolts of of my work is is operations right so really sort of like the functional components of of keeping a a business moving um and and also i because i tend to as you said try to be productive i also tend to try to be productive in sort of through many avenues which i think is one of the really unique and special things about about all the coworkers I've worked with at Lantolern is that um, we all really like to do many things collaboratively. Um, so while my responsibilities are are really focused on the nuts and bolts um, of of the organization operating as a business, um, right. there's also been opportunity for me to participate in this ground truth program, for example, um, and to, to grow in my, in my ways as an educator and to sort of discover a little bit more um, sort of components of the work that, that are interesting to me and where I can learn and where I can also give. Um, and so that has been the really kind of exciting part of this organization and the work that I do. Um, and then also, you know, basically just your, your basic project management. Um, but the thing about getting to know different components of the work where, where that's really exciting as it, as it sort of mirrors back through the organization is that it, it's an experience that allows for me to participate in programs so that by participating in programs, I have a better sense of the organization and how it works so that I have a better sense of how the business needs to run and what best serves the business in the running of it. Um, so, you know, a lot of that more direct example is like the value statement that I mentioned earlier and the glossary of terms that we have that goes with that value statement, which you can find on our website. Um, and things like, Sort of working towards shared leadership, which we can talk about a little bit more. I think as as we continue our conversation, um, we've just shifted to the shared leadership model, um, and so so that was sort of something that came up through my through basically my duty, you know, as mm-hmm. the director of operations to to really sort of listen to the organization, like listening to the to the to what's sort of been percolating in the organization and 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 considering shared leadership is, is likely something that um that needs to happen. So then as we're shifting into shared leadership, we also everything is kind of new in terms of what responsibilities are and will be. Sure. 
Well, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. But I do think it, it doesn't escape me that some of the words that we've used, like growing, you know, growing a business, um, mm-hmm. how can that not also be a metaphor for what it is you do? And, mm-hmm. you know, just just all of us, all of us during this pandemic time, I mean, I didn't even ask you this part. I, I don't know what it's like on your side of the country, but certainly our students were not going to school. They're they're back in they're back physically in school now, but everything was um on Zoom or some kind of, you know, applied learning online that children were not physically with other children, which in itself is so sad when children cannot be socializing. I you know, small children teenage children, all of us, we can all, if everyone, if you lined up somebody from every decade, they would be able to say to you, this is how I've been affected. This is how maybe how I have been isolated. Maybe this is what's worked well for me. Um, I'm working someplace where I'm now allowed to not have to drive 45 minutes to get to the city, and I'm productive from home, and my kids are here, although now my kids are here, and now I'm not as productive. So, I mean, I think that everybody could probably tell that kind of a story. I presume, am I right, you guys, you, you didn't have students in your schools for a good portion of this pandemic time. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's correct. So are you back in are your children back in classrooms now? Yeah, I can speak to that, Zoe. Um yeah, the children are back in school in all of our school districts and since we work across four different communities it's a little bit tricky because different schools were doing different things. Um so at the height of the pandemic what we what we did was we just, you know, did all virtual, you know, obviously when schools shut down. So our wonderful education team worked really hard we translated all of our lessons into uh, YouTube videos. You know, we, we just oh, became nice. videographers and made YouTube videos. And you can check out our, our YouTube page. It's Land to Learn Garden Education Videos on YouTube. And Wonderful. there's a lot of good stuff there. It's Yeah, it's not all just for students, but we would um, share these videos with the teachers, and then we would meet with them on Google Meet for our regular sessions. But they did have the video to build off of. And just like our core program in person, we tried to make them really uh, hands-on and fun. So even over the computer, we were able to do journal entries and share our work and do a lot of fun things. Uh, we did a lot of cooking videos as well because everyone was inside. Mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> we did different yes. projects and things like that. Yeah. I think that's great. And, it, I mean, I, I, I probably say this every week, but it's just so relevant to the conversation. Probably, let's just take the word COVID off the board as a, as a word, but probably the two biggest words that we've all experienced over this seems like almost two years' worth of time. I know it's not been two years, but it feels like it. One it is like pivoting, that. you know, where we are now pivoting to do something else. Right. And the other word is Zoom, not not the lens on the camera that I'm talking about, but being right. able to connect. I mean, I think this is wonderful about your YouTube. I will I will make sure that people know that they can find that YouTube um, channel. I'll, I'll remember to um, include that in this follow-up blog so people can actually watch your YouTubes. But 
I do think that, you know, we've all had to make changes, but it doesn't change the functionality and the importance of what it is you're doing. Because maybe one of your little kids, and I don't know how many children you, I, 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 maybe you don't even have that number, so I don't mean to really put you on the spot, but between the um, four schools that are associated with you right now, between that K through second grade, approximately how many students are we talking about? Um, in all of our schools that we see on a regular basis, it's over 2,000 students, and then it's a lot higher if you um, work in our work with uh, Boys and Girls Club and after school and the summer programs and uh, Ground Truth. Um, but in the in school, it's uh, over 2,000. Whoa! So amongst and if you, your... if you can go ahead. The, the, sorry, if you um, if you add the additional. Um, students that Sam mentioned, like working with the partnering organizations and additional programming, it's it's at, at about 5,000. Wow. So 2,000 kids. I'm trying to grasp what you're saying as somebody that was that volunteer. <laughs> I, I, I am because I'm thinking, okay, you're talking about four schools. So it, am I right? Are we talking about four individual schools? or four, No, we're talking about not four schools, four districts. There's where right, I got correct. tripped. I was going to say, how could there be that many kids? Four districts representing. I'm so glad I asked you that because if I was wondering that, uh, maybe somebody else was wondering that as well, but that is what you said. So now that makes much more sense to me. So if we're talking about those four districts plus those additional partners, Zoe, what did you say that that approximate reach is? About 5,000. Wow. You must be so proud. And, I mean, I know you don't do this to pop your own buttons here, but this must be so satisfying as a 501c3 which is not easy to do to recognize the the amount of young people that you reach is just incredible truly and i mean i know you're on the east coast so your weather situation is entirely different than what we have in the gardens where i live you know Certainly we have, we've had a drought, and so we, we have to be a, a mindful of watering and all of those kinds of things. That goes without saying. But are you able to um, actually teach gardening during the winter on your side of the country? Um, yeah, a lot of uh, folks ask that question of us, you know, is this a year-round program? And I don't right. think we answered that program. Yeah, this is a year-round program. So a lot of people say, well, what do you do in winter and what do you do in summer? Um, but during the school year, uh, you know, which in our area is September to late June, um, we have our, our sprouted anytime we can be outside in a safe, comfortable manner, we pretty much are. Um, but winters around here, you know, once December, January, February roll around, we really are visiting the garden uh, outdoors with the kids. At that point, you know, traditionally we're just in the classroom. Uh, and we're doing all sorts of garden-related projects. Uh, so the question, do you teach gardening in the winter? 
The answer is yes, we do. Uh, but we're not using the garden classroom during the deep winter months. And then we return to the garden as soon as we can, uh, which is usually around March. Got it. Well, you know, I suppose as I'm listening to you describe that, I would imagine what you could be talking about, I would presume, is why why don't we garden in the winter? What is happening to our soil? And how how does how does the soil survive um with a snowpack? And can we can we grow something at home? Can we have our a home greenhouse and maybe mom and dad and I can maybe still grow some radishes or grow some lettuce or something like that? You know, I can remember when my kids were in school, we had a garden at, at our elementary school. Um, I don't know that it was as um, deliberate as what you just described. It was more of an after-school mm-hmm. kind of what you did on the playground instead of playing handball. And what right. you're describing is so much more um, hands-on and academic in that you are really teaching um, these things in a, in a different format, and I just I think that's I think that's tremendous. I, I really do think that it's such a model. I don't I don't know that other people do what you do. Maybe they do, but um, I think that what you do is is um, something that could be um, um, utilized in a lot of other places. And I don't know if maybe what I would certainly have people do is. Um, be in touch with you because I don't believe that your intent is to spread your organization across the country, or or is it? I, I don't really know. Well, the truth is, yeah, we're hyper local. We, you know, we kind of want to right. grow down, and root, root down rather than expand out. But we do have yes. a program uh, called Toolshed, um, which is recognizing that we cannot have these in-depth relationships with every school in the in the nation that might want it. Uh, so the Toolshed program is professional development, and it's sort of our consulting arm where we can work with teachers and give them workshops and no just kind of show them how our expertise has showed us how to use gardens to teach, uh, utilize the best practices with students. We can help uh, schools in the area garden. Uh, and, of course, the school garden is a little bit different than other kinds of gardens where you're not really growing. Certainly. For, for, you know, for just, you know, trying to grow as much as you can, you know, you're trying to also make it a classroom where a student uh, body, you know, 25 kids in a class can actually uh, learn and you can facilitate those lessons. So there are a lot of things that we've learned over our time that we're trying to share, and that's the Toolshed program, um, professional development and garden education consultation. You can learn more about it on I, our website. I, I just, I just um, flipped over there. It's under your programs and services. And that's terrific, and I'll make sure that people understand that if they're just so jealous um, that that's another, um, you know, opportunity for them um, to 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 learn something that may be over here. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I think that everything is adaptable, and and why not um, and why not share? I think that's a terrific idea. And so as we think about success. Um, Zoe, let me ask you how, how do you, how are you able? You're the operational side of this 501c3. How do you how are you able to measure your program success? Well, we do um, 
you know, it's interesting because this is this has been sort of the the perennial not to not to add another uh, another play on words here, but this has been the perennial challenge for us um, because so much of the work that we're doing is 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 qualitative. Um, as as we've worked through our curriculum and and are always sort of interacting with our curriculum, um, the the focus of our work is in is in sort of that experiential participatory um, work, and it's within the context of the larger the larger um, schooling system, so and the education system. So um, so ways in which we experience the qualitative uh, response is, is and sort of informing ourselves and, and sort of checking in with ourselves to make sure we're on mission and on, on values and um, keeping up with needs. Um, we, we have things like for the Radical Roots program in particular, uh, there are, there's a check-in at the beginning of the program, there are check-ins throughout the program, and then there's a self-evaluation at the end of the program. Um, we do, we do like uh, Google surveys when feasible. With the K2 program, we have, um, it's a lot of sort of like visual response, like, you know, before we start in the garden, questions might be, do you like, do you like uh, carrots? And maybe that's not the best example. Maybe a better example is do you like squash or do you like beets? And often uh, with beets, the answer is like not so much. But then as, as the youth are spending more time in the gardens and really interacting with the food, then the numbers start to increase. And that, that mm-hmm. happens uh, visually through, you know, raise of hands. Do you like beets now that you've, that you've had time with them in the garden? Um, in terms of, in terms of, the quantitative measures um, just before, not to not to bring up the pandemic again, but just before the pandemic yeah. um, started, we were. This this is an example of of the work that we're doing where we're focusing with college students. Um, is that we were working on a program we had just begun with them for some grad students and also education students to to work on helping us design uh, a measurable system so that we could really start to, to dig into the, to the quantitative component of the work that we're doing and really to, to get a sense of, of the measure. Um, and, you know, one example of I would love to offer about the, the qualitative component um, is that we had a participant, the, the program we're doing in residence uh, really picked up in during COVID as well. So this is an example of, of how um, as we shift with need, um, new opportunities present themselves as new need presents itself. And so we were working mm-hmm. with, uh, with a residential facility um, and there was a participant in the program who was, was about to age out of, of care. And we were building a garden at the site and the student suddenly, the participant suddenly realized, like, oh, I, this is something I can actually do. Like, she really thrived in building the garden, in carpentry, in, um, mm. and sort of, like, 
she had that really practical approach to measurement and woodwork and she was she was using hand tools and she suddenly felt like this real sense of self-value that I mean I'm expressing it's not for me to say what another person experiences but she expressed it and and her right. her general her general approach to being in space together shifted and lightened and became um, became more engaged and and she really seems to start feeling good about herself and the work that she was doing. Um, so that's that's an example of sort of like that qualitative measure that mm-hmm. that doesn't generally work with society, right? We all want to know the answers for how much and what's the bottom line and and that right. sort of thing. But but education is an interactive process, right? Like it's all that is that is a qualitative experience. I agree with you, and not only mm-hmm. uh, what what I'm 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 visualizing as you're speaking. I am visualizing this, and what just occurred to me that we haven't really mentioned. Now these are this particular program with the uh, um, with the children that might be in a um, uh, what do we call it? What was the name of that? Ch- programming. Yes, that's yes, exactly. Um, the ground truth program with those teens but if we back this up just a little bit with these younger children like the um sprout ed these parents are getting something out of this too they are getting especially when you guys were not in the physical school together for the children and their and maybe and with their mom and dad or their their single parent or their grandparents or their siblings maybe you are six but you've got a four-year-old sibling everybody wins doesn't don't they i mean every i i see this as such a win-win situation and while maybe you don't have the ideal place to grow something you're still learning and and maybe you do puzzles or maybe you do word games or maybe you do all kinds of things maybe there's books that people read to you and it's like the hungry hungry caterpillar you know i that just throw, i don't know why i thought of that i mean my kids are you know in their in their late 40s and that, that just all of a sudden that came into my head but you know i think that there's a lot there's so much to be gained about what you guys do and and that's that's what i hear and i know we will just suddenly run out of time and i'll just keep interjecting here so I want to be able to give you some time um, to talk about what you are looking to do now with this shared leadership model because I know that's a big thing coming up for you. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about that, and if there's some time left, maybe you can tell me where you see yourself going. Maybe it all kind of ties into where you see yourself going over the next few years. But let's talk about this shared leadership model that you had referred to earlier today. Um, yeah, sure. I can speak more on shared leadership. This is kind of breaking news for us. It's very exciting, uh, and we're very much still in the thick of our transition to shared leadership. Um, but it was really prompted by the departure of a couple of key pieces in our organization, uh, namely our executive director. Uh, he moved on, and he had sort of set us on a on a path, you know, to sort of charted our course for shared leadership uh, even before that. He sort of liked to um, – allow room for others to lead and step into leadership positions. Uh, so we had been very familiar with, you know, shared decision-making. 
you know, and anyone at a nonprofit, you know, you go to a staff meeting and you make yep. some decisions collaboratively, of course, but a lot of it is top down. A lot of it is hierarchy and uh, that hierarchy um, for, you know, established people in and awesome and stay within the organization. So that's something that we wanted to fix. Um, and we had really, like I said, years, um, and we realized rather than find a new executive director to be a single, uh, you know, head and uh, to be the leader of the organization and also the go-between between the board of directors and the staff. You know, what if we, as opposed to a traditional hierarchical model, what if we shared leadership? And that empowers all the staff members to assume leadership roles and to step into leadership um, positions in their areas of expertise, in areas where they want to grow. Um, so it's really about cultivating personal and organizational growth, you know, for the staff and for the organization, um, you know, at large. So we've uh, taken, you know, some time. We are in the search for a consultant that can help us. We've done a few training programs with an excellent um, local organization that's served as a model um, that has already sh shifted to shared leadership. Um, but the idea is, you know, instead of one executive director, um, the remaining staff at Land to Learn, we are now all co-directors. And we do make these decisions collaboratively, together. It's all about teamwork. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it can be hard. Things take time. We have to share them out. We have to talk them through. Um, it's certainly not as fast. There's a lot of talking. Easy. Right, mm -hmm. a lot of talking, a lot of meetings. <laughs> it's not always as quick to come to a decision when you have one person, right? That's the box, what they say goes. You know, right. instead, um, it, it's really a, a pretty radical um, restructuring of what a nonprofit um, can look like. And we feel really, really proud, I think, of stepping into this leadership um, model, and uh, we we are, <laughs> like I said, still in the midst of it, uh, but we do believe that it will really embolden us um, and just allow us to better uh, serve our communities in the long run. It makes sense. Can it's I really add? funny. Please, Zoe, please add to that. So the thing, too, that um, since you said who knows how much time we have left, I just I just want to make sure that, that we do We got seven minutes. You're, you're good to go. <laughs> please. So in, no, addition, go. in addition to in addition to what Sam was saying, thank you. Um, in addition to that, the other thing about shared leadership that's that's kind of been exciting about sort of like really spreading the the like basically shifting power structure, right? So so the other thing about that that's really exciting is that we're thinking a lot about pathways to leadership, and we're thinking a lot about how how the participants of our program can part also participate in leadership and maybe even grow into leading roles within the organization. Um, because it is a goal that, you know, as we've talked about intergenerational learning and we've talked about um, we have youth who, who participate in K through two in some schools and then sometimes those youth come back for, for an after school program in their third through fifth grades and then sometimes the same youth will come back in, in high school. You know, we're still a pretty young organization, so we're just at the beginning of, of experiencing those possibilities. But we have one, we have one um, participant in particular who started with us as a teen in, um, in one of the teen programs and 
and has been back, I think she's back for her third year now, and she's an education student uh, getting a degree in education, and she's helping us build curriculum um, for third through fifth grade if we were to continue spread it beyond K through two. So, um, so this is like, it's really sort of like sparks a lot of ideas for how, how we can also like, it's not our goal to remain centered. We are the co-directors now. It is not our goal to remain centered in power in within this organization. We're, we're really working toward examining how and establishing methods for making it so that it's sort of like a, it's, it's like we're both, community is both at center and on the, on the perimeter of the organization so that, so that it's got this sort of, um, wow, I wish you could see my hands. <laughs> like I'm talking with well, I can see they're outstretched. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see that they're outstretched because you're welcoming. And, and did the organization have its beginning roots? I can't help myself there. Um, did it start in 2015? Is that when it actually began? I know that's when you started working there, Sam, but was that when the 501C was established, was in 15? I think it was actually um, No, we were incorporated was... earlier, um, 2012, yeah. 2013. 2012. Okay, I was just, just curious about that. So you're coming up on a... You're coming up on a on a ten year anniversary, and um, did I do the math right? Yeah, okay. Um, and so I can see where you know you you think back, and you know everybody takes something away from their education, and a lot of it has to do with what's going on in your personal life at that time. You know, maybe you were the the only child, and now you, your mom had another baby, and it's like, oh, man, you know, I thought I was the center of your universe. So, you know, so many things happen, and, and, and then, you know, we can't ignore the pandemic because that's happened, and it's affecting the people that you serve, including your teachers and your students. And to see how you've moved forward and to see these different organ these different um, programs that you offer, it's phenomenal. And, and I'm so glad I asked you that you could talk about how people that are listening that want to, you know, you have volunteer opportunities on your website too. But this tool shed, I mean, honestly, I, I, love, I love whoever came up with the names of your programs, Sprout Ed, <laughs> Crop Shop, Radical <laughs> Roots, Ground Truth, now we're talking tool shed. You know, it, it, somebody's really brilliant. How many staff are, are, are currently on board with you guys? I have no idea how big your organization is. You go ahead, Sam. Um, right now we are a staff <laughs> of five. We are getting it done. Oh, God, but, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you never um, sleep. We are... Wow. Well, uh, so... We're kind of taking this time to transition to the shared leadership model. We'll be bringing some people into that shared leadership structure. And like nice. Zoe said, we're really excited about new leaders coming into our organization. I, I can see why. I mean, I can see why people would like to do that. And, you know, and, and you know, with, the, with STEM and all of the different types of um, high school classes that are out there or people that want to go, you know, that just love horticulture, that was a, that was a class that was taught in the middle school when my kids were in high school, horticulture 
was was a class that you had to take to to go from well it was, I think it was called middle school at that point I don't think it was junior high any longer but they had to take a horticulture class and it wasn't just all the romantic part about you know um looking at your cute tomatoes because guess what there's weeds around those tomatoes too and that has to be taken care of as well because those, those things cannot be ignored so it's it's all part of putting those gloves on and digging in right Absolutely. Okay. Well, I I I think it's terrific what you do. I I can I can hear in your voice how much you love it, and um, I know I've enjoyed hearing about all that you're doing, and and appreciating that. The beautiful thing about podcasting, because I used to be in a studio, which meant that you had to be able to be driving distance to be my guest. Clearly, that's no longer the case. I mean, granted, I wish we were looking at one another, which I really loved, and you know, and my show was on YouTube and all that other stuff. But I'll, I'll walk away from that in a heartbeat to be able to share people's stories on all parts of this country on what they're doing that brings joy and satisfaction to their lives. And just like I could see your hands out, Zoe, I don't know if you could imagine what my right hand is doing as I'm holding the phone in my left. So it's over my heart. Of course it's over my heart. Of course, because what you're doing is really setting the foundation, the the, the pathway, those words that you used to to be that steward of the land, to maybe say, hey, you know, you didn't really think you liked beets, but guess what? You like salt, you like pepper, maybe you like (laughs) garlic. What if we roast it? Maybe we don't have it out of a can the way my dad used to try and serve it to us. It's like, oh, my God, are you kidding? That was gross. I (laughs) never ate beets. I just recently started eating avocados, but that's for another story. So to have roasted beets and to have stores that sell organic food, I, I mean, we are really, we are, we are doing that pivot. We are moving forward into um, learning more about how we can be involved as a humanity, regardless of where we live. And to me, that's why I do this every week and, and why I have such exceptional guests with each of you. I'm so so happy that you guys have joined me today. It's, it's this has been sensational, really. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Marcia. Marcia. It, it's nonprofit work is the best, and I love it. So I know that we're getting. I'm sure the sun is already set on your side of the country because um, it gets dark so darn early now. So I just want to say thank you. I want to thank you, everyone that has been with me all November on all five shows and um, I'm actually going to do two shows in December two podcasts in December and you have breaking news I have breaking news I am going to take my first vacation in over three years and take the last <laughs> two weeks off of December where I'm going it's to spend it with, with my family, my son who will be coming in from Arizona and just reconnecting with the earth, right? And reconnecting with Good. our families. Good. And so this That's is really wonderful. a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, and But that doesn't mean I'm not 
all booked through January and February because trust me, I am. So (laughs) with that being said, I want to just thank you once again for your time today. Everybody, I will make sure you know how to find all of the links, including donating. Every dollar counts. So, and I, I will make sure that that happens for you guys. I wish you a wonderful um, holiday season. And oftentimes, I have guests repeat. And perhaps, you know, towards summertime as the school semester is coming to a close, maybe we get together um, in May and talk about, so where, how has it been going since we last spoke? I think that would be tons of fun. So something for us to consider. But for now, I'm yeah, going to let wonderful. you get, wouldn't that be fun? So for now, mm-hmm. everybody, I'm going to let my guests get on with the rest of their day and enjoy the rest of your um, time this week, and I'll look forward to having you join me next week. Bye for now, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.